The views expressed on the patient's perspective come directly from patients, so they are not intended to diagnose, treat, or replace professional medical advice. Information coming from the patient's perspective is for entertainment and educational purposes only, so if you have any health concerns regarding yourself or anyone else, please see a physician. The Patient's Perspective is a podcast created by patients for patients and does not focus on any specific disease or condition. Content may make you laugh, cry, and question your moral beliefs surrounding healthcare and the many issues patients run into while in the system. Finally, the most important point of view is cast into the light. The Patient's Perspective. On today's episode of The Patient's Perspective, I interview a return guest, Susie, who is in a quadriplegic state due to MS, wanted to come on the show to discuss with me the alarming rates of MS across Canada. Hi, everyone. So I'm sitting here today with Susie, a return guest who, Susie suffers from um, the condition MS. And Susie and I have been chatting um, offline for a couple of months now, and we have lots of ideas for, uh, to, for sh- other shows. And Susie really wanted to take this time, especially during the month of May, because May um, is the um, month of recognizing MS. And Susie would like to discuss the alarming rates across Canada of MS. So welcome, Susie. Hello there. So Susie, again, I'm I'm not, I'm just going to um, let you kind of speak just because again, I don't know too much about. Absolutely. um, But if you have questions. Sure. Awesome. So go ahead. (laughs) The month of May in Canada is MS Awareness Month. Many people that get that confused because the American MS Society, their month is March. But in Canada, it is May. So I've been spending the month sharing some statistics on my own Facebook page with people of just how alarming it is in Canada look at a world map that is colored across it depending on the number of cases of MS in the area. The country of Canada and the upper parts of the United States and a few Western European countries are bright, bright red. They are the most hit places in the world. So Canada has the most multiple sclerosis per capita study numbers, which are coming out after the last census that was done in Canada. I believe it was 2020. Um, It's stating that there are about 
95,000 people living with multiple sclerosis in Canada. Most of those people are in their own homes, but maybe 2,000 of them are in long-term care across the country. So when you start to look at those numbers and then you take them into account that, okay, what's the same between Canada and those Western European countries and the upper United States? Well, they're looking at it being um, reflected on by the equator. So the closer you get to the equator, the less MS there is. Um, so therefore they tied it to sunlight and vitamin D levels. So that's the one area they are thinking it's coming from, but they're not really sure, um, but they do recommend anybody who's at a risk, like any, like my children might be at a higher risk than everyone else. Um, so it's recommended that they take high levels of vitamin D, um, like 5,000. I, I don't know what the number is, but it's either 5,000 ones they can take. And I actually myself take 10,000 a day. Um, certainly hasn't stopped me from getting it, but maybe now that I've got it and I do take that large amount of vitamin D, maybe that actually is helping me. I never know that. So it looks like it's a latitudinal rings um, when you look at that map. And so I guess a lot of us joke that we were just born too far away from the equator, but it doesn't continue past the Western European countries. So going east from there, it doesn't continue at the same rate. So, I mean, there are scientists working on this every day, I'm sure. Um, so it's often called the sunlight disease. It's definitely now called a Canadian disease, but ironically also called the woman's, the young woman's disease. So I'm throwing out some numbers here. So it's 95,000 in Canada, about one in 340 people have MS in Canada. Um, maybe 10 years ago when I started looking into it, it was one in 400 and it's now one in 340. So two to three times more likely that a woman will be diagnosed than a man. So it's about three women to every man with MS in Canada, which I don't know, to me is interesting. And I guess it would be to the male population as well. Now, that way? if you don't mind me jumping in there, um, yeah. I mean, that's the same for the majority of autoimmune conditions. Um, is it the majority of autoimmune conditions are mostly found in females now they and again I mean this is the patient's perspective like Susie and I are not doctors so we don't 100% know <laughs> there's been a lot of discussion in terms around hormonal levels um, and you know obviously um, like estrogen and all that sort of stuff now what is interesting and I know this at least in terms of a condition such as lupus, because my, my mother has lupus. Okay. Um, 
when men get sick with lupus, they usually are very sick compared to females who have the more like moderate. I mean, they can have severe as well, as you know. Um, But uh, there seems to be a thing that men don't get it as often, but when they do, it seems to attack them um, at an excruciating rate. Um, I would say that that's something that I have observed as well, mm-hmm. but I don't know the statistics on that. And I, I think most men are diagnosed with MS in their twenties, which is earlier than women. Mm-hmm. MS is usually diagnosed in a person's thirties, um, that one decade. So that's why it's called the young woman's disease because yeah. it hits us in the prime of our life. And there's but, a lot of, again, that's kind of interesting because that goes also into the sexism part as well. Is it, are, do men get diagnosed? This is something interesting to look at. Are men diagnosed earlier because they have more severe disease? So it's more yeah. noticeable or did they get diagnosed earlier because they are believed more often due to the fact that they are male? And yes, yeah, yeah. And that's, that's an interesting conversation to have. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, I just wanted to add that, add that all um, in and in terms of the, and I think I spoke to your map today, um, a little comment. I hope you didn't mind me making a comment there, but the last immunologist that I saw, and this of course just came out a year or so before, you know, a couple of years before COVID hit, um, immunologists are starting to look at the fact that Eastern Europeans have a higher incidence of autoimmune conditions That's due right. to survival from the Black Death or the Black Plague. Um, yep. So these immune changes occurred. And so we descended from persons who had come in contact with the Black Death. And yep. Our ancestors, if you are from the Eastern European or in areas where the Black Death occurred, uh, your ancestors, um, a lot of the times ended up, there's a huge jump in um, at what age people died at. So they, they were dying in their 70s or in their 80s. And this was a time when other parts of the world, people were still, were still dying in their, you know, 40s 40s. or 50s. So that's when the researchers realized that something had to have occurred. And what they found was that the black death caused genetic or epigenetic markers. And um, these look at these toll receptors and stuff. I'm sure you saw what I, what I posted and they ended up starting to live longer and their immune systems kicked into higher gear. And so this is what my immunologist was talking about with me because of my sensitivities to all these different things. He says, it's not you. (laughs) It's the world around you. You're working just fine. Right. Or was it, or was it my German, English and no German, Irish and Scottish heritage? Yeah, there would have been the potato famine. And that's what they're looking at is these these um, occurrences, these severe um, events 
can actually yep. cause immunological changes. And then that's passed down onto generations after generations. The problem is we have changed our environment so much. That's right. That our bodies now could be reacting due to the fact that humanity has changed the environment too drastically. So anyways, that's all I wanted to say. If people want to do their own research, you just type in um, the Black Death and um, autoimmune disease. And they actually suspect that that is why there's a higher incident. And then obviously that would explain in other pockets of the world where there's specific conditions that seem to be more aggressive. Um, you might find that there might've been some other disease that was in that area that could have caused those um, same type of genetic changes. So anyways, I'll, I'll give you the floor back. <laughs> um, uh, Susie. I find this interesting. Yeah, it, it is. It really, when he said that to me, I was like, oh my God, you just explained. So we're talking about something that happened 300 years ago. That is correct. Yeah. Or 400 years ago. Nope. Yeah, that's crazy. And so anyways, uh, take but it away. It no, I'm sorry I interrupted you there. <laughs> no, no. It's, I find that so interesting because. So I'm just going to back up a bit and then I'm going to go back into the risk factors for MS. So 12 people are diagnosed across Canada every day. But, and like I said, I don't know statistics for other diseases. But I do know with multiple sclerosis, they do not know the cause. They just came out with a very recent study indicating a the Epstein-Barr virus and mononucleosis and multiple sclerosis. So that to me is very interesting. I have not had Epstein-Barr myself, but I have had mononucleosis in grade nine and it changed my teenage years right through high school in the fact that I was the only kid that come from home from school, need a nap and still be in bed by 10 o'clock. I needed to sleep. And it was like that right through, like I couldn't do a late night and an early morning. I just couldn't, I had to sleep. And most teenagers don't realize that. So that's an interesting study. I look forward to see how it's going to move forward. Um, I believe that mono and are both diseases caused by a form of the herpes virus. But don't quote me on that. Um, but it's just, I mean, like I said, they just brought this study out like last September, it was published. And that's interesting. Um, us with MS have had mono or Epstein-Barr. So there's got to be more to it yet. Anyways, I just read a risk factor sheet and they're saying the usual things like smoking is a risk factor, being obese and possible hereditary events but MS is not genetic, so it's not in our DNA. And the interesting, the other interesting one to me was that one of your other risk factors was the things in our environment, the toxins. 
And I hit on that right away because all along I've said, I am sure that so many of these autoimmune diseases are popping up in the last 20 years because of changes that happened in society in the late 60s, 70s, and 80s. Because when you think about that, what we had um, taking over the world was plastic. Um, and endocrine disruptors. See, that's involved with my hormonal uh, condition as well. Right. They were looking at that as being um, maybe a, a contributing factor. Um, and it's interesting, again, the, the immunologist that I saw, the last one that I saw, and his the changes that he made me do to my diet uh, has dramatically helped me. Um, uh, he stated as it was actually the beginning of the industrial revolution. So it's even before the fifties and sixties. That's when they're, they're starting to look at now. Wow. Like, and it makes sense. Like I'm thinking in the eighties, we go to the grocery store and our pop would be in glass bottles plastic here you're going to have to look hard for a glass bottle um things like the zippy bags and we already know that our early plastic had vph in it but who knows what else was in there and i mean all of this has led into change problems where we have too much garbage mm-hmm. for the amount of world we have you know, like we're filling our oceans. That's ridiculous. Anyways, we've completely went off path here. But I do believe that the increase in technology has impacted our health. Um, and maybe that's why, one of the reasons why there isn't MS in some of the more poor company countries towards the equator they're not as developed as us so there wouldn't be as much toxicity maybe i don't know i guess i need to become some sort of a researcher scientist myself yeah no and again that's with autoimmune disease in general they just don't have it they have um um like the odd person will have like severe immune deficiencies like those are the cases where you see where the person is shunned because they have like an excess of warts or something all over their body, but that's considered to be really like, that's why like people will come up with the idea that that person is possessed if they're like in an African um, country, right. Or a little town where there's little education. Um, But in terms of autoimmune diseases, they actually, they don't have a lot um, from what I've read. Um, But of course, then they have other issues. They have famine and, um, you know, lack of uh, clean water and all that, right? Absolutely. But they also don't have our supply of vaccines as well. So they've had to still, they're still like, think of COVID right now. They're mostly fighting it on their own without, without vaccines. So maybe that will need to lead to another generation 300 years from now that is who knows? Yeah, true. I never even thought about that. <laughs> Good on you for that one. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> well, here we are getting up to our fourth vaccination. Yeah. And some countries don't even have one yet. Yeah. So 
I don't know. It's all interesting. Yeah. Anyways, I don't know what the cure is. Um, but that's a whole other podcast. Climate change and the patient's perspective. Yeah, well, you never run out of topics. <laughs> In one talk, you'll find three or four more, at least. Finding that with a lot of us? Yes, every, every talk. Every talk. <laughs> yeah, we veer off somewhere. I don't know. I'm always just floored by the statistics of how common it is. And yeah. You follow an anti-inflammatory diet? Do I follow one? Um, I, yeah. I did. Um, what the immunologist told me to do was um, myself as well as um, at least one of my boys came up positive, but a false positive to grass. And uh-huh. everyone had ignored that one, um, except for this guy. And he says, you know, because I had been tested three, four times. And he said, you know, um, do you guys have cross reactivity, like mouth tingling and stuff like that with some fruits? And I said, yes, uh, we have that in our family. And I guess cross reactivity can happen in between like grass and wheat and corn. So the fact that we came up with, grass like a false positive to grass and he literally said and we were complaining about our stomachs and he says it's wheat and and I I was floored because it's exactly what I've been telling like I'm tested for celiac and all this sort of stuff um over you know god knows how many years and it's always negative and even genetic they did they tested me for dq um, two and eight which I believe was for celiac disease for genetics and it came out negative. <clears throat> and he looked at me, he says, but what do the other DQ genes do? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> He's like, you know, they, they don't know. And so um, uh, there, so with myself, due to the food sensitivities, it was starting to, again, when you take the genetics from the Eastern Europeans, which my mom is almost full, and we tested her genetically, she was like 98%. Eastern Europe. Okay. Um, and I have autoimmune what? disease on both sides. Like my dad has sides, has Crohn's and several of them have uh, Crohn's and stuff like that. So it's both paternal and maternal sides. Yep. Um, and um, you just, you mix with the changes in, in food and how we changed wheat. Like the wheat we yep. eat nowadays is not the wheat, not, is not Neither. ancient wheat. Right? Neither is corn. Yep. And his theory is that we cannot digest it. Like it doesn't fit in the receptor sites. And okay. then it leaks kind of like that leaky gut syndrome, although by a different name. <coughs> and uh, then the belief is that macrophags, which are in your, our blood, come along and gobble up the excess food proteins that we can't digest and then it causes inflammation because of our ancestors being Uh and surviving the black plague if that makes any sense so um yeah so we came out sensitive to uh, to wheat and corn as soon as i pull out wheat and corn or limit it dramatically like i think i order four buns a month um we get better and then he also made us add in um good bacteria but from foods 
Yeah. So soured foods, yogurt, none of yeah. the store-bought stuff, unless it's organic and plain, right? Yep. Um, and we started doing that. And I will tell you, my di- digestive tract changed within about three days. I was shocked. Like, I was like, really, this is all I had to do? You know, I was mad (laughs) because I I had told doctors for years that I had issues with wheat and corn, not, not corn necessarily, but wheat. And then I noticed that I never could digest corn. Um, and yeah, we've, we've had fairly dramatic improvement. Not that my hives have gone away, but it's not like, I don't like, I used to get sick if I was in the heat and sun, like actually throwing up and I don't seem to be as sensitive as I used to be for sure. Oh, that's good, I guess. Yeah. So anyways, I feel like we're, we've hijacked your, but I think all of it, all of it kind of ties together. And that's what I was trying to say to you. And like in our message messages is that it doesn't seem to matter what condition we actually have. We all have our similarities. We do. Yeah. We definitely do. Um, is celiac disease genetic? I didn't think so. No, I mean, it's like every other autoimmune disease. You're at, you're at a high, slightly higher risk than is it the general population. Disease? Yes. Okay. My daughter has it. I should know that. Yeah. Disease. So there's two autoimmune diseases she already has. Yeah. Oh, and a bit of psoriasis along the way. Yep. That is autoimmune disease. And then a lot of people will end up with um, yeah. arthritis. Uh, that's cirrhotic arthritis, right? Yeah. Low brain nouns and arthritis go hand in hand. Mm. But every, like, there are specialists for every one of our autoimmune diseases because it crosses so many specialties. You've got dermatological problems, you've got digestive ones, you've got heart ones, you've got nerve problems, you've got all these different people involved like different specialists involved but it's really all coming down to the same thing an autoimmune disease yep yeah, and diabetes and all that and that, that that explains to me why um ms is you know you're at an increased risk if you have diabetes and that is because even if you get secondary diabetes due to what you're eating um, that occurs because that's an autoimmune response. Eventually, once your body gets past a certain certain point, now it's reversible in that case, right? Opposed to type one. Um, but um, they're all not, that would explain why you're at increased risk of getting MS. Because once you have one autoimmune condition, you can't get any more. Yeah, you get more. And th- that's why the bacteria so get into this. Yeah, the, the, the bacteria get into this because they're finding that you need good bacteria to have communication in between your brain gut and um, lung access and stuff like that. Um, all of that has to be in working order. And if it's not, it causes chaos or it can cause chaos or at least instigate it. Yeah. I was actually just looking into these drink formulas, which are meant to have pre and pre and probiotics, which specifically are to even out your gut health. It's all combined. 
Yeah, I, I try to stick with the traditional foods myself, just because yep. the when you do a little bit of research on the prebiotics and stuff like that and probiotics, a lot of the research points to the fact that it has to come from like natural sources to be able to get the kind of That's same right. amount of benefit opposed to the pill form, right? Um, although like I have a, I have a family member who absolutely despises yogurt. And even though this person's suffering, um, uh, you know, they're, they're older, you know, they're, they don't want to change their ways. And, yep. and, uh, <clears throat> I, they just said, I'll never eat yogurt. And I'm like, well, in that case, then you have to go the, another route. Um, <laughs> Anyways, we should probably, I, I could go on and on about this. There's other treatments that they're coming out with, including, and this sounds gross, but you can look into this, uh, fecal transplant. You want to know something? When I was first diagnosed, people always come up to you and give you ideas of things to do to help yourself. And one of my teaching colleagues actually messaged me and said to look into fecal transplants. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I'm like, what the hell is he talking about? Because he's, I don't know, he's one of my favorite colleagues. He looks like Jack Sparrow. Oh, really? Yeah. And he was quirky and you never knew what he was going to say. So when he said this to me, I was like, what? But then I started researching and I went, oh, my goodness. They are looking into it. Mm -hmm. Um, just the other interesting one. Um, now, where was I going with this? I completely lost my train of thought. That's another MS problem. When your brain just clicks out on you. Anyways, anyways my brain fog is acting up today, which is another goes with it, where we just can't get our ducks lined up now in our head. I think my ducks are all over the place, but I can tell you a funny story. Sure. How about we, um, um we'll, uh, we'll wrap up with my yeah, funny story. We'll wrap up with a funny story and then we'll, we'll have to have more of these engaging conversations. See, these are my favorite ones <laughs> that get that derail. The ones where you realize that you have to do another one. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyways, on Saturday, I'm in Eastern Ontario and we just went through a beautiful heat wave. It was like 30 degrees for three or four days last week. And there was no humidity. It was just beautiful wall-to-wall sunshine <sighs> and beautiful warmth. So on Saturday afternoon, I went out. I looked at the weather network. It said 40% chance of showers, um, but not until 4 o'clock. So I went out about 1.30 and I'm sitting there playing on my phone and it starts to drizzle rain. And it was these great big drops. But I thought, okay, that's not bad. And I was underneath. We have a little metal gazebo that went over a barbecue. And I was sitting under there. So I thought, well, I'm not getting wet. I'm good. And over the next half an hour, it picked up. And by 2.30, it was a wicked thunderstorm with the rain blowing sideways, hail and everything. And nobody knew I was on the deck. So I was out there unable to get back in. And it was all fine until the wind started to blow and the hail started. But finally, my son-in-law was back in the bush with my husband and he knew I was out. 
So he had jumped in his truck back there to start the storm. And then he said he realized shit, Susie's on the back deck. So he came and grabbed me, covered both of us in quilts. And he had to pull me back up into the house. He saved my life. So the whole time I'm sitting there thinking, okay, I'm under a metal roof, but it's attached to wood and I'm on rubber tires. So I should be okay if I get struck. <laughs> that's, that's what goes through your head. So at the time I was freaking out when the sale started um, and it got as loud as it did. But afterwards I laughed because that's something that could only happen to me. Like everybody else would just get up and go in, right? Mm-hmm. But I was stuck out there. Well, I said, you know, when you, when you posted that story, I said, you know, even as a support worker, I would have never even thought about that because as a support worker, if I had a client in your position, I would just take them in, you know, so if, like, you I, there. if I was there, like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even have thought about it, you know, yep. but I had gone out. Um, and then there was another twist to it. I was watching something on YouTube. And when I'm watching somebody, something from my phone, that's talking, I can't talk. It won't pick me up. So my mom was texting me saying, do you need me to bring you in? at the beginning of the storm, but I couldn't answer her. So she didn't know that I was still out there either. But I got in and we lived. It just showed that I'm a tough girl. Amanda, <laughs> you, like my mom always said to me, you need just something else to add to your list, another yeah. story to add to your list. <laughs> and it's better to laugh at the stories than cry. Yeah. Anyways, we'll talk more about stories like that. Definitely. All right. We will talk to you again. All right. So I, I want to thank Susie. I know today's conversation kind of derailed. I'm actually thinking about creating like um, a title for um, how episodes like this, like derailed Mondays or something. Yeah. <laughs> because, like, because that's how you get some of the best information is when the, because like yeah. I said, it, there were so many things that you were stating that like such as the brain fog such as this like most autoimmune conditions particularly or any condition I would think like even somebody with cancer you know who's fatigued and stuff like that um we can relate to all this like you don't have to just what I wanted listeners and viewers to realize is that you don't have to only associate yourself with persons who just have your condition there are maybe specific aspects um, from that specific condition that, um, you know, you might want to only discuss with that group. But for the most part, most patients who are in the healthcare system regularly, yes, they have some sort of connection to what you're saying. And That's so right. we really limit ourselves by only discussing um and that's why when I was thinking about doing a podcast would I do it just on progesterone allergy no you know number one it's so rare I wouldn't have any any listeners <laughs> it would be nice if you could find one other person to talk to about it I actually have met several now in person one was in Toronto um okay. that is due to the beauty of um uh the internet and at the time I was yeah. a uh, advocate and I was being flown out there anyways and so she and I would yeah. when I would go out there and then I've met two now um one online and one in person uh in um the city of Calgary so okay. 
I have met met others, but the first one in Toronto, it's, we took a picture, and as far as we know, we are the first two with the same condition to ever be together, except for there was one case where there was two sisters. So obviously wow. they would know each other. Um, but as far as we know, worldwide, <laughs> that photo is the first photo ever of two progesterone patients who were not related physically meeting each other. So it, it's, um, it's all interesting. We have, we have so much to talk about. Like, well, like I said, we will never run out of topics, Susie, ever. <laughs> no, there's great value in talking to somebody else that is going through the same thing. Yep. And that's what I want to encourage anybody that's going through an autoimmune disease to know that they're not alone. No, far from it. If, if, I mean, if you put all the autoimmune conditions together. Yeah we would be an army. Yep. So I think with that, we're going to end right there. And um, okay. I'm going to have to come up with a fun title for this, this episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We planned to do this, but then <laughs> we got derailed and started, you know, we started going all, you know, yeah. Joe Rogan and talking about all this other stuff. So <laughs> it'll be interesting to get comments on it because I'm guessing a lot of people will relate to how we got derailed. That's right. Yep. You know, awesome. anyways, you have a good afternoon. You too, Susie. Have a great day. All right. Yeah. I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye okay. now. Bye. I'm so happy you were able to join in and listen to us today. If you have an episode idea or would like to share your story, please email me at info at thepatientsperspective.com or join our Facebook page under the same name. From all of us who are working hard bringing patient issues to light, thank you for tuning in and supporting The Patient's Perspective.